Welcome to lecture one for chapter one of estate planning. I'm Dr. Patrick Payne, and this is for PFFP 402, estate planning at the University of Arizona. Welcome everyone. Before I get started talking about this chapter, I want to reiterate that this recording is not to replace the textbook reading. The textbook has lots of detailed information, terminology, rules, concepts, that I'm not going to cover in the recording. What I am going to talk about is the principles, the why, the how, the logic, what's behind this, to try to take the cold technical information that's in the book and turn it into a little more accessible, a little more understandable, a little more relatable and functional information. Okay, so But you can't skip the textbook because it has lots of critical information in it that I'm just not going to cover. So let's begin by talking about some of our chapter objectives. This chapter had eight objectives, and we're going to start with the first one, defining what is estate planning. Okay, estate planning is the legal and financial arrangements we make in case of incapacitation or death. So what happens when we can't speak our will anymore, either because we have died or we're in a coma or in the hospital, something like that, when we can no longer speak our mind and make our will known, what happens? And an important point that I think a lot of people miss is that everyone needs an estate plan. Estate planning, a lot of people feel, is just for the rich. And that's just not the case. It's for everyone. Okay. So there's five main reasons why people don't want to get around to ever creating an estate plan. Okay. The first is that they don't see the need. They're like, I'm not rich. I don't have lots of money. Nobody's going to fight over my car, or my house, or my possessions. I am just not that interesting. I don't have that much stuff. Certainly nobody would ever fight over it. So I think I'm good. Okay. The second reason is like, hey, I'm young. I don't plan on dying anytime soon. So I'll worry about it when I get closer to death. Number three, I don't want to pay for it. A lot of people feel like it'll be very expensive. Number four is I don't want to spend the time. It's going to be too hard, too time consuming. I just, I just don't want to deal with it. I'm trying to live my life and, and function. I, I don't have time to do, build an estate plan. And lastly, it's too depressing. Thinking about your own death, thinking about what your loved ones would do after you've passed can be emotionally painful and people don't like to experience emotional pain. I think it's pretty, pretty understandable that we don't have a strong desire to think about and contemplate our own death. It's a little depressing. Okay, But none of these excuses really hold water. Okay, Even if you're not rich, the most important parts of estate planning is not related to the money. We're going to spend most of the semester talking about plans that control and manage money and avoid taxes and etc. That's very important and the reason we're going to spend most of our time talking about it is because it has the most technical details. But the most important part of the estate plan is the people. What happens to the people you leave behind? Okay, Don't plan on dying anytime soon? Most people never do. But people die unexpectedly all the time. That's no reason at all not to have an estate. For most people, an estate plan doesn't have to be extensive or even expensive. You don't have to have a lawyer to set up a few basic documents, such as a will and a power of attorney. A few basic things you can do very inexpensively. Some of it you can do completely for free. Like some you may need to pay $20 or $30 to get like a legal document online. You can just set up yourself. Something like LegalZoom.com might be able to set up a very basic estate plan. Now, as aspiring financial planners, your clients are going to need much more extensive estate plans than just these basics. And so you're going to need to make sure that they have that in place. But for a lot of people, these basic tools 
are very within reach and not particularly difficult to set up. So it doesn't have to be this very challenging, very difficult thing. That said, at, at the professional level, estate planning does get very legal, very technical, and very complicated. You're trying to juggle a lot of ownership of assets and transfer, and is this subject to tax, and what's included in my estate? Things like that, they can just be, it can get very complicated at a professional level. But a lot of people, just for their simple family, a few simple needs, can take care of that uh, pretty easily. Okay, so what happens if you don't have an estate plan? Let's say you don't create a will, which is the simplest and easiest estate planning document to create. What if you don't do that? Okay, if you die without a will, we say that you died, in, meaning you have not left a testimony behind of what you would like to happen. Okay, so what could happen in that case if you have not left a plan? Your possessions may not wind up with the people you want to have them. Perhaps the government will take a large chunk of the legacy that you wanted to leave behind in taxes. Perhaps your children will be given into the custody of somebody that you would rather they not go to. If you die intestate, then your children and your assets will be distributed according to state intestacy laws. And for the most part, those laws simply dictate whoever's most closely related to you gets the assets, will take care of the kids, etc. So perhaps your closest living relative is your brother and you die without a will, the state is likely to give your children to your brother to finish raising. And that may be fine in a lot of cases, but what if you don't really like your brother? What if you don't think he's going to do a good job raising your kid or you're having a feud with him or whatever, right? This court is probably not really aware of a lot of those problems. And even if they are, they may not have the discretion to adjust it. They may just have to follow the laws as it is written says that your brother will get your kids, so your brother is going to get your kids. Okay, Or it can happen even if you're just unconscious. What's going to happen to me? Who decides what treatments I get? Who decides when it's time to just call it quits, pull the plug, and move on? And who decides, let's try and find every treatment? Okay, So it's really important, and it's not just about the stuff. It's about the people. Now, a lot of times we forget about that because our most complicated techniques and tools, the ones that require the most time to understand and explain, are focused primarily on money. And so we get it can be easy to forget that we're not just talking about money here. We're talking about the people that you leave behind. Okay, so the book talks about goals and objectives of estate planning uh, in very technical terms. I'm not going to repeat those goals. You can read them. What I am going to summarize is the goals and objectives from a family, a personal perspective. Okay, Our goal is to control what happens to, first, my possessions and my Secondly, my children and other dependents. Who takes care of them? How do they take care of them? Those are important questions that your estate plan needs to answer. Uh, who's going to happen? Or who would... Delete. Uh, third, what's going to happen to me if I'm lying in a hospital bed and unable to communicate? And lastly, one of the main goals, a big one, is to protect your family and loved ones from difficult decisions. Picture, picture you're in the hospital. Maybe you've been in a car accident and you're in a coma. 
and the doctors are debating what procedures should we use to try to keep this person alive. Picture your parents waiting in the hospital waiting room, or perhaps a close friend. Picture their pain. What does it feel like to have to be able to say, yeah, I don't think they're going to make it. Let's stop treatment. I can tell you, my own mother, no matter how logical, how reasonable, how obvious it is that the only reasonable choice would be to let me go, I can promise you she would never forgive herself the rest of her life for not fighting and not trying. If I don't have an estate plan in place, I leave that decision to her or to my wife to decide whether to let me go or not. And that is hard. That is painful. I do not want to leave my family to have to make that decision for me. I want to take that from them so that they don't have to bear that burden. That's the human side of estate planning that is so important. And again, it's easy to lose track, easy to forget that because we're going to spend most of the semester, right, talking about ways to avoid taxes and make sure the assets get transferred. We're going to be talking about assets and taxes all semester long. But I want you to never, ever forget about this human element of estate planning that is so essential. Okay, the last point I want to make on this chapter is about the practice of law, okay? Estate planning is a legal topic. Just having knowledge of how to do this stuff does not permit you to practice law. So as a financial planner, you cannot give legal advice or execute legal documents, such as a will or a trust document. You can't do that, okay? Only members of the state bar may do this, okay? So if you are a lawyer and a financial planner, then yes, you can do you can do this, okay? But if you're a financial planner who's not also a lawyer, then what's your role then? Why are we talking about this? If you can't give legal advice, if you can't execute legal documents, what then is the planner's role, okay? You have two basic functions. The first is to recommend good lawyers to help the client with these legal matters, to give this legal advice and to execute these documents. And the second is to understand what's going on in the estate plan well enough to ensure that it integrates with the rest of the financial plan to make sure that your uh, decumulation strategy for the retirement accounts matches up and aligns with the structures, the trusts, etc., that are in place in the estate plan. Okay, so you need to understand what you're looking at and what these tools are for and what they do so that you can integrate them into your plan. And that's your primary role if you're a non-lawyer financial. So that's all I wanted to cover for chapter one, just a quick introduction of everything that we're going to cover, right? Hopefully this gives you a sense of kind of what we're trying to do in this chapter. And then as you read the textbook, you can get all that technical information and extract it and work with it and then do it in the context that I've talked about in this, in this podcast episode. So that's all for this one. Have a good one.